I was out of the office that day. <laughs> I saw that email come through. I was like, oh, wow, those, those two had some fun. That was good. Uh, uh, so good to see you all. Uh, it's excited to be here. I'm going to make this as quick as possible. Uh, Melissa, just so great to have you leading us today. We met like late October when I was first talking to River City Church, and now we get to do ministry today, and you just have such authority when you speak. Man, I love it. So, um, Just a couple of things really quick. My mother-in-law is here. Sue, Sue, would you wave your hand? This is Jocelyn's mom. It's cool to have her here. She was a part of the last church we planted for a couple of years, and I'm just so glad to see her. And then also, if you didn't, didn't hear the news, Bonnie Verlander is not here because her and uh, Alan became Pops and Bon Bon uh, over the course of the weekend. Uh, baby Ray was born, and he has all these wonderful aunts and just church family, so um, we're excited for her and uh, all that God's doing. It's a really strange thing to have a baby right now. But uh, Abby, Gail, and, um, uh, and Nate are doing well, and uh, we're glad to hear it. We're starting a new series. Maybe you saw some of the artwork. It's called Tables. Okay, it's called Tables. Uh, Tim, Youth Pastor Tim, when I, when I said, hey, I've got this new series. I'm thinking about calling it Tables. Tim said, man, that's a really cool name. And that was just so affirming for me. Like when the, when the youth pastor tells the senior pastor, your ideas are cool. Like it just makes me feel like I'm still remotely relevant and I'm not drifting away and fading away into uselessness. So it has youth pastor approval. And then I, I kind of got excited and came up with this little tagline, three meals for the rest of your life. And uh, I realized that kind of sounds like Malcolm Gladwell's latest book. But I, I think it's going to make sense for us uh, as we begin to unpack this series. You know, you've heard me say this from up here. Some of you I've had lunch with, coffee with, or just conversations with. And I've just been asking two questions, really, ever since I got here, but especially since we thought things were going to mellow out and then they kind of re-spiked. And that is, what, is it, what does it look like to be the church right now? You know, what, what matters? And then secondly, what is God trying to give us right now? I believe that anytime we walk through something difficult, there's always the difficult thing that we're walking through, and then there's always God giving us something in the midst of that difficulty. So my suspicion is that if we can answer one of those questions, we'll answer both of them. Like, what does it look like to be the church right now? What is God giving us right now? Because I've had this feeling in my, just in my gut for a few years that uh, God wants to do a renewal in the church. I don't mean just River City, but I mean the church in general. I believe that he's, there's something he's wanted to give us. And when you hear the word renewal, we tend to think, oh, he's going to do something brand new. Like he's going to do, there's going to be these major changes, going to be all this new creative stuff. But that's not what the word renewal means. Actually, the word renewal uh, means that something that once had life, something that was once before, is going to be renewed and is going to be given new life Again, new energy. Again, there's kind of a returning. When something is renewed, there's a returning to what matters, to what's most important. So that's what I've been thinking through. What matters? You know, we're so limited right now. We've been forced to think what truly matters. What does it truly mean to be the church? And that's kind of what gave birth to this series, uh, Tables. The first week, I want to talk about a table for two. Next week's going to be a table for three. Next week's very important, okay? Uh, this week's very important, but next week is also very important because it has to do with uh, some changes that we're going to make in the way that we're organized as a church. In other words, the way that we're doing community and the way that we're engaging with God's word together. So next week's very important. I want to make sure that if you're not here, you stream or catch that one after the fact. Uh, but 
This week, we're talking about what I believe is the most important meal that we need to have for the rest of our life, and that's a table for two, and that's our daily meal with Jesus. That's our daily meal in God's Word. And you say, oh, Jared, please, that's super obvious, but today I'm actually going to preach from God's Word a message about God's Word and the importance of God's Word, because I believe that one of the renewals that God wants to do is there's so many things we can focus on as the church. There's so many things that we can say, that we can go after, that we can try to be, but this is the only thing that shapes us into the image of Jesus Christ. This is the only thing that we have with any validity that we can say, God's all over this. The Spirit inspired this. This reveals Jesus to us. It's important. So I want to talk about a table for two. Now, maybe when you hear about reading the Bible or reading God's Word, you think, man, I've got like some really uh, rough experiences from the church I grew up in, like like I, I look some heavy-handed, like forced to memorize or made to feel guilty if I wasn't reading my Bible. And that's just created like this block for you. And you're like, well, you don't have to read your Bible, but every time you think about approaching it, there's this guilt associated to it. Or maybe you've, you, that's not your story. And you, you came to faith like later in life and you say, well, I, I, I kind of would like to, you know, be interested in engaging with God's word, but I don't, I don't really know wh- why I should. I, I do feel this draw, but I don't understand it. I don't know what it means to approach it and why it's important. I hear it called God's word. That feels like a churchy word for me. So I don't really know how to explain that. And then uh, thirdly, maybe, you know, you've, there, there was maybe like this season in your life where you're like, man, you know, I used to really receive from this, but maybe uh, a very beautiful but also dangerous thing happened to you and you begin to grow in your knowledge and understanding. And if you're not careful, knowledge will uh, create uh, a, kind of a hardness in our heart. It's the weirdest thing because I want people to grow in their understanding and their literacy of the scriptures, but we can become so understanding of them that it can create these roadblocks that we feel like we've mastered it instead of being mastered by it. We've shaped it, we have it under control and now we're only engaging intellectually or we like to talk about it or we like to, you know, share little things that God, you know, is is saying in there, but are are we under it? Are we under it? Is it shaping us? There's going to be a lot of scripture, uh, so you're just going to have to hold on tight and stick with me. Uh, I'm I'm going somewhere. Um, I didn't say oh, wow, there's going to be a lot of children, so I'm going to make sure I have a lot of scripture. That was a coincidence. Um, so just do your best to stick with me, um, and, and we're, going to, we're going to get through it. Jesus, I love you. I thank you for this church. I thank you for your church, your people. These are your people. We're your people, and we're here. These are your people online, and they're here. They're engaged. We're in. And we want, to, we want to experience renewal. We want the things of old, the things eternal to be what matter to us. Not any idea that we have, but God, renew us back, restore us back to your original ideas, your original word. And just do a work in us. In your name I pray, amen. Exodus 16. That's right, the week that all the children are here, I'm going to read from Exodus, all right? Here we go. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. That's one of the most remarkable statements you'll ever hear if you're willing to hear it for the first time. I will rain down bread from heaven for you. 
The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day, and this way I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So there's this early teaching about Sabbath here on the sixth day, get enough for the seventh day so that you don't have to go out and work in any way on that day, setting them apart. That evening, quail came and covered the camp, so God just brought uh, protein and in the morning, there was a ground, uh, the ground appeared, uh, and when the dew was gone, then the flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they had measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. It was just enough daily. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. Gather it off the ground. Gather what you need for that day. Don't keep any of it for the next day. Gather what you need today. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them, which was kind of like, (laughs) that was the relationship that Moses had with those guys for years and years. So here they are. They're in the wilderness. God has just rescued them from Egypt. Like this is one of the first little narratives we have after he's rescued them from Egypt. So he's just judged all of Egypt's gods established himself as the re, like the real deal, established himself as greater than the Pharaoh, brought this people out that had grown up under oppression, sets them free with reparations. They're, they're given like gold from the Egyptians. And they move out from under this yoke of the Pharaoh. And now they're in the wilderness. And they start murmuring and they're saying, well, yeah, that was rough, but we had a lot of food there. We at least could eat. And they were longing for the provision that came from Egypt. They were longing still for the provision that came really from their enslaver. They're longing for the provision that came from the Pharaoh. So God hasn't given them the Ten Commandments yet. God hasn't established the tabernacle yet. Like this is really just ground level. They've crossed the Red Sea, which I'm sure had to affect them. But they're now being consecrated as a people. And what is step one for God consecrating them as a people? He allows them to hunger. He allows them to hunger. And he's going to begin this process of changing their appetite. He's going to begin to teach them what it means to hunger for him. To hunger for his provision. Now... He's teaching them the importance of daily bread, physical bread. But, you know, we often see um, in the Old Testament, we often see like this fulfillment of what, there's like these shadows of what God was saying. And then there's these fulfillments of what God was saying. You know, even Jesus claimed that much of the Old Testament, the prophets were about him. So let me take you to an encounter that Jesus had in the wilderness, Matthew 4, 4. Jesus answered, this is that, that, that argument between Jesus and Satan where Satan's tempting him with scripture. 
and uh, Jesus is uh, just, Jesus' one-upping scripture game is, is strong. He's winning. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus lived that out too. Now, here's what's interesting about Matthew. I just, I just read you that verse from Matthew. Matthew was writing his gospel. Yeah, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew was writing his gospel specifically for Israel. He wanted them to see how Jesus was connected with Israel. And there's all this imagery. Like we just finished a series on the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount was called the Sermon on the Mount specifically in Matthew because it was showing Jesus like fulfilling what God had given Moses at Mount Sinai. So there's this parallel, like Sermon on the Mount, Ten Commandments, Sinai, newer, greater teaching from Jesus, bringing all that into greater focus. So this parallel here is Jesus has been in the wilderness. Matthew says 40 days and nights fasting. The Israelites were in the wilderness for 40 years. So there's this immediate parallel, like look what Israel went through and look what Jesus is going through. So here we have Jesus in the wilderness being tempted. He's hungry. The enemy comes up to him and says, you know that you could turn the stone into bread and you could eat it. But Jesus isn't willing to do it because he's not willing to do it because Satan tempted him to do it. So Jesus comes back with, actually, bread's not enough for me. I need every word that comes from God's mouth. That's what I'm desperate for. You say, Jared, I don't know. I think you're stretching this comparison. Okay, I thought you might say that. All right, Deuteronomy 8, okay, Deuteronomy 8, verse 2. This is reflecting on what happened to Israel in the wilderness. Hang on, okay? Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Jesus was right on target. He knew exactly what he was saying in this wilderness experience. He knew that the ultimate lesson of being taught to trust God's provision for what we need to eat physically that the deeper lesson that God was teaching them was to trust him for the provision for what we need to eat spiritually. He's our daily bread. So what we need more than anything else is every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now in that Deuteronomy passage, you, you may notice it says, verse three says, he humbled you. He humbled you. Okay, we, we I don't, don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't have anybody in mind personally when I say this, so don't, don't take this as a, as a jab at you specifically. Just want to talk about people for a minute, including me. If we're not careful, we like to use this. We like to make this work for us. We like to fit this into our, into our thing. We like to fit this into our, into our life and, you know, Application and all that's important. But if we're not careful, we'll just make this thing work for us. We'll, we'll put our Bible on a leash, take it out for a walk. It will ultimately serve our purposes. Okay? It can be useful. 
I want to show you a video of the underground church in, in China. This, these are some people that are receiving Bibles for the very first time. This is a little grainy, but um, I'll, you may have seen it before. It's, it's on YouTube, but watch this with me, and, uh, and, and we'll be right back. The only time I've seen people react like that when a box opens is when they're starving and they're going for food. You'll know you need it when you're like, I've got to eat this. I have to eat this. Let me read this again. Verse eight, 8, verse 3. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna. Until we are humbled, the word will not truly become daily bread. You know, this may sound so silly coming from pastor, but for years I wanted to give God my mornings because I think there was good motives, felt, you know, it was probably what I needed to do, but it was, it was also like this, I thought that's what a strong Christian did. I want to be strong enough to give God my mornings and receive from him first. I want to be strong enough to do that. And then it was at one day in the midst of just this unbelievable season of spiritual warfare and, uh, I, you know, I messed up and was feeling terrible and was kicking myself and was angry and frustrated. And I heard the Holy Spirit whisper to me. It was, I mean, I almost didn't hear it. I almost did not hear it. But the Holy Spirit whispered to me, are you going to give me your mornings now? And I said, yeah. Yeah. And then he had me. Does that make sense? Then he had me. And I realized I'll never be motivated to seek God first out of my strength it wasn't until I realized my weakness. I have to eat the, I have to eat because I'm weak. 
And I need daily bread from him. For weeks after that, every time I was in a worship gathering, I just felt like kneeling. I was just like, I don't know how to explain it, except I had just been broken. I was just, God, you just have me. You have me. I'm yours. And you can do what you want with this thing. You can make it what you want it to be, but I'm telling you, when, it, when, when you're humbled, it becomes food. Because you're weak and you need it. Sorry to cry in front of your children. <laughs> now, one, one more passage here. John, John's Gospel. I'm going to read from chapter 1 and then chapter 6. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. That's like a 24-week series right there on those three verses. But we're going to keep going. Chapter 6, verse 31. Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. Did you know all this Old Testament stuff was showing up in the New Testament about God's word? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. It's this really interesting mystery. When we have a table for two, a meal with Jesus, he serves us daily bread, and he is our daily bread. He serves the meal, and he is the meal. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, you ever think, like, when we pray, we've got, like, instructions, we pray our Father, right? We pray in the Holy Spirit. You're like, Holy Spirit, you guys have a beautiful phrase here that was kind of birthed out of Holy Trinity, Brompton in London, come Holy Spirit when you pray. You ever think about like, what, what, where do we truly encounter Jesus? You know, we're supposed to be his disciples. Like, we, we want to follow him. We want to we walk in the way of Jesus. We want to be like Jesus. I want to become like Jesus. Okay, I, want, I want that to happen for me. I want that to be the course and the trajectory of my life. Well, where does that happen? Well, I don't know if you realize this, but th- like everything that we know about him is here. And you'll begin to learn as you open yourself up to the scriptures that so much about the Old Testament is like foreshadowing and gleaming Jesus. And the four gospels are helping us understand Like we don't even understand what the cross is telling us if we don't have all this Old Testament history pointing to that moment. And then we've got the gospels talking about Jesus. Paul writes almost solely, completely about Jesus and helps us understand Jesus and what Jesus has done. And w- when we encounter this word, it's, it's the word is made flesh. Jesus is the word. That's a mystery. I don't think I can fully explain that to you in a way that you'll get it, that I'll get it completely. But all I know is, is that the way we become like him is here. This is where we receive his wisdom. This is where we receive his character. This is where we receive his teaching. This is where we receive his correction. 
Jesus is in this word. He is this word. So we have a meal of Jesus, and he's also the meal. I don't have this on the screen for you because I decided to use it too late, but some of you, just it might be the way you're wired, or it may be your experience, but when I start talking about daily bread, you immediately start feeling guilty. I'm not going to be good enough. I'm not going to be able to spend time with God. I'm not going to be able to keep that up. Look, I'm not, you'll find that I don't lead or motivate with guilt or shame because it gets results, but no fruit. And this quote was helpful for me in understanding this. Bob Sorg says it this way. When you neglect the secret place, he's not disappointed in you. He's disappointed for you. Because he had a meal there for you. He had something for us that morning, that day. Say, Jared, okay, I want to engage with the word. I I, want to... I want to do this. What, is, what does this look like? Well, there's been an undercurrent in the leadership here. We've kind of been going on a journey with just some really practical handles for what it means to do daily bread. And I'll just put all my cards on the table here. Uh, much of this series, especially these first two weeks, is about, man, I want to see us as a church definitely connected to each other, but I want to see us connected to the word. I want us to be shaped by it. I want what God thinks to inform us in every way, shape, or form. But I'm actually going to be releasing a, a, a teaching we call Bread Journals. I've been talking through this with the leadership a little bit, and I've had some one-off conversations with you guys here and there, those of you that will meet with me right now in public. And uh, they're called Bread Journals, and it's just a really simple, accessible way to say, God, I want to I have this table for two daily so we're going to be releasing some, some videos this week. They're going to be short. Uh, they're going to be concise, and they're going to be to the point. But I think it's going to equip you in just a starting point for what it could look like for you to engage in God's word. So look out for that, okay? All right, you guys did great. Kids, you did amazing. Maybe we won't open the kids' ministry. Just kidding. Would you stand? Tough, tough, tough crowd. <laughs> I hope to see you guys this afternoon. If you're watching online, I hope to see you this afternoon. Just stay dialed in to social media for uh, weather updates. It looks like we could be okay. I mean, if it's a light rain, we're going to have some tents, jump in the car for 10 minutes, jump back out, keep going. But just remember, we're going to have food trucks, ice cream, fun uh, stuff for the kids to do. Those two characters you saw on the screen earlier are going to show up. It's going to be a good time. But here's what I want to do. As we move into these last few moments, Melissa's going to come up and lead us in a time of prayer. But I want, to pray, I want to pray over you before we do this time of prayer, okay? God, thank you for your word. We want to receive from you. Jesus, we want to receive from you and receive you. So I pray that what we've talked about this morning will just continue to work in our hearts. These are the things that you care about. These are the things that are important to you. This is what matters. And I pray that we will become a church filled with people who are having a consistent meal 
with Jesus. A table for two. In your name we pray. Amen.